Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We completed Chapter 2, Sankhya Yoga, Yoga of Knowledge. And we will be starting discussion on Chapter 3, Karma Yoga, Yoga of Action. Chapter 2, as we have seen, is the outline of the overall Bhagavad Gita. As I have said many times, the advice for the best presentation is tell them what you are going to tell them, then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So that's the outline of a presentation. You have an agenda, then you have the content of the meeting, and at the end there will be conclusion of the meeting. So we have seen the outline of the Vedantic thought, the Vedanta Darshan. But for an average person who is studying it for the first time, just as Arjuna was listening for the first time, it seemed that chapter 2 was divided into two distinct parts from verse 11 through 38, had more emphasis on actions, accordance with one swadharma. So in verse 31, Bhagavan said, Swadharmam apicha na vikampitam arhasi. You should not waver, even thinking about your own dharma, your own self-nature, that you should engage in this. Dharmathi yuddhat sreyaha kshatriyasyana vidyate. There cannot be a better opportunity for a Kshatriya than a righteous war. So he was emphasizing on Swadharma and duties in accordance with Swadharma. He definitely gave advice to Arjuna to engage in that battle, the war, the action. Sukhadukhe samekrutva labha alabha jaya jayo tataha yuddhai yujyasva na evam papam avapsasi. Engage in this action, Sukha Dukkha Samekrita, without any expectation what the outcome would be, according to Swadharma, and you shall not incur any sin, because Arjuna was worried about committing sins. So, verse 38 definitively told Arjuna that you should engage in this action. And then Bhagavan himself said, I'm going to change the subject now. So, verse 39, he came and said, Eshate Abhita Sankhya. This is what I explained to you, the knowledge of Sankhya. Sankhya, the rational thinkers. I gave you this knowledge of the rational thinkers Sankhya, but now I want to tell you about Buddhi Yoga. Buddhi Yoga Imam Shrunam. Now listen to me about the Buddhi Yoga. Now our expectation and also of that of Arjuna was that Bhagavan will elaborate on actions which he is prescribing or asking Arjuna to engage in. But Bhagavan literally changed his course. And by the verse 61, he says, Tani Sarvani Samyamya Yukta Asita Matparaha. And therefore, control all of them, all the senses. Control all the senses. And then, Yukta Asita Matparaha. And a sit focused on me. The opposite of verse 38, where he said, Tata Yuddha Yujyasva. And now he said, Tataha asita matparaha. Focus on me and sit. 
So obviously it was not very easy for anybody to make that transition. It seemed like that the focus was more on controlling the senses and sangam tyaktva, the detachment. The attachment part is relatively easy for us to understand because Bhagavan himself explained in verse 62 and said, Dhyayato visayan punsaha sangahateshu upajayade. That is simple. Once you think about an object repeatedly, an attachment occurs. That is something relatively simple for us to understand. What is difficult for us to understand how to prajahati yada kaman sarvan, how to become completely desireless and therefore detached from everything. Bhagavan has clearly said that the wise person lives in this world like a tortoise. He retracts his organs of perception when he sees any danger, which is very contrary to what Bhagavan has asked Arjuna to do in verse 38. So this detachment part and desirelessness is where we all are confused. Detachment, we have seen, comes from my understanding of uselessness of thing or a being. Once I come to the conclusion this thing is completely useless to me, detachment comes automatically. We buy a gallon of milk. When the milk is finished, without any attachment, we'll throw away that plastic container into the recycling bin. There is no attachment there unless we find another use for it. That I will use it for carrying water. As long as we have use for something, detachment is not very easy. So that, that's one thing we have noticed in our life. The other thing we have noticed is once I attach to something else, detaching to something other that I was before is relatively easy. So a few days ago, I was at Aldi grocery store and I had this practical experience of attachment and detachment. When you go to Aldi grocery store and those who have not been there, Aldi is a German grocery store versus all other grocery stores which are American. So the difference you see there is how they operate. In average grocery store, an American grocery store, you go there, the carts are free from each other. They can be roaming around freely, very individualistic approach for the carts. Carts are not attached to each other, any carts may be lying around in a parking lot or anywhere you see. And then somebody will collect them and put them together. At Aldi, there is nobody there to collect carts because the carts are all attached to each other. They are chained to each other by short chain. Each cart is a short chain which attaches it to another cart. And when you go there, you see this mass which is blissfully standing there. So you can call it the supreme cart mass. And then somebody like me, a person, goes there, inserts a coin in that one cart. And as soon as you insert that coin, that card will detach itself from the mass of those cards. Now that card is at mercy of the person inserted that coin. So the card is completely detached from its real self, which was the whole mass of cards. But now that coin inserted in it has detached it from other cards. Till somebody, not maybe the same person, the email leave the card somewhere, but somebody else will put that card back into that mass of card. 
the only way it happens is then that person will attach that card again back to that other card. That card will spits out that coin. So I came to realize that as long as card was not introduced any outside impression, it was blissfully connected to the rest of the cards. When an outside impression was inserted in the card, the coin, it gets more attached to the coin and detach itself from other cards. Till the time when it attached itself back to the other card, it spits out that coin. That impression from outside is spit it out. So I saw it more like a, a demonstration of attachment and detachment. If you consider the mass of card as the supreme self, and an individual card is a jivatma, then as long as it has no outside impression, it is blissfully connected to the Supreme Self. As soon as the coin is inserted, an outside impression is reflected on that mind, then it is more attached to that outside impression and not attached to its own self. Till that time that that impression is released, once it gets attached to the higher, that impression is released. So I said, Prajahati Yada Kaman Sarvan. How can I get desireless attaching back to my Supreme Self, the real Self? That's the only way that can happen. So detachment and attachment both are actually very innocent concepts. Not one is positive and other is negative. Attachment itself is very innocent concept. It is what we are attaching to makes it either negative or positive. If I'm attached to a coin, I'll be tossed around by that customer. If I'm attached to other cards, nobody can release me. So our condition I saw is something similar. Attachment to the higher can only create, higher in essence, something higher than what I'm attached to right now. If I'm right now attached to other worldly pleasures, but then I suddenly find interest in philosophy. Well, that attachment will let me not go for a card game because I want to read philosophy or learn philosophy. Attachment to higher is the only other means to get detached that we can notice. Either we find things which is useless completely, then we get detached, or we find another higher attachment and we get detached. So. Those are the only ways we can get detachment and desirelessness as Bhagwan has described here. So this conflict which we see that Bhagwan has started by saying engage yourself in action and then he come back and say that just yukta asita mat paraha. How do we reconcile? I am a worldly person has a business to run or a job to perform, how can I be sitting there just like Narsi Mehta to do bhajans all the time? So the same conflict Arjuna vocalizes in chapter 3. So Arjuna Vacha, Arjun said, Jayasi chet karmanahate mata buddhihi janardana tatkim karmani ghore maam neo jayasi keshava If you think Jayasi chet Karmanaha buddhi. If you think that buddhi is superior than action in your opinion, te mataha, in your opinion, because you already said in that verse 49, 
दुरेण ही अवरम कर्म बुद्धि योगा धनंजय बुद्ध शरण अन्विच्छ कृपणा फल हेतव यू क्लियरली सेड दैट बुद्धि इज फार सुपीरियर देन एक्शन एंड देर फोर टेक रेफ्यूज इन बुद्धि अर्जुन थोड़ा आई वॉज ऑलरेडी टेकिंग रेफ्यूज इन बुद्धि वेन आई सेड आई डोंट वॉन्ट टू फाइट दैट वॉज माई बुद्धि टेलिंग मी दैट दिस इज नॉट ए गुड एक्शन दिस वर्स टेल्स मी दैट भगवान अर्जुन आई स्टील एट दैट पॉइंट तत्किम कर्मणि घोरे माम नियो जैसे के सब इफ यू थिंक दैट बुद्धि इज ग्रेटर देन एक्शन इन योर ओपिनियन देन वाई आर यू asking me to engage in this terrible war karmani this terrible action so it tells us two things one arjuna was paying attention he remembered the verse 49 the durena hi avaram karma buddhi yoga dhananjaya he was not sleeping he was paying very keen attention to what bhagwan is saying but he has not come to really grasp with what is the overall idea here that kim karmani go so he still considers this action of fighting this war is a terrible one he has not come to see this war is dharma yuddha or whatever bhagwan has been trying to tell him that the righteous war and righteous action and once you perform this whether you win or not you will not incur any sin he still considers this as the ghor karma in the terrible action so he has not completely resolved himself what action is good and what action is not good for him so in the next verse he says vyami shrene va vakyena buddhim moha yasivame he is a very sincere student he doesn't mince any words he clearly says what he thinks so he said with this confusing statement one side you say tata yuddha yujyasva other side asita matparaha it is confusing you have completely confused my intellect buddhi is supposed to be very decisive it's no longer a buddhi by definition therefore please don't confuse me okay tad ekam vadanichya don't tell me tata yuddha yujyasva then say mat asita matparaha just tell me should i sit down or should i go and fight this war yena shreyah aham apnuyam that which leads me to my shreyas is it bhagwan i told you right in the beginning in verse 7 i told you that sishyate aham yata shreyah tani bruhi i told you that tell me definitely what is shreyas for me because i am a sishya sishyate aham i am your student you are my teacher you tell me what is shreyas for not prayers for me not which feels good but what is really good for me i'm repeating it again now you are confusing me i am not really sure what i'm supposed to be doing you tell me one more time what is really shreyas for me so now the bhagwan's discourse of bhagavad gita really starts he said sri bhagavan uvach लोके अस्विधनिष्ठा पुरा प्रोक्ता मैया नग ज्ञानयोगेन सांख्या कर्मयोगेन योगिना भगवान से इन दिस वर्ल्ड पुरा प्रोक्ता मैया अनग ओ अनग ओ सिनलेस वन एज आई सेड बिफोर देर आर टू पार्ट 
ज्ञानयोगेन सांख्यानाम कर्मयोगेन योगिनाम फॉर द सांख्या द रैशनल थिंकर्स द कंटम्पलेटिव टाइप ऑफ पीपल दिस ज्ञान योग दाथ ऑफ नॉलेज कर्मयोगेन योगिनाम योगी मैन ऑफ एक्शन हु इज वेरी एक्टिव फॉर हिम कर्मयोग आई हैव सेड दिस बिफोर देर आर टू पार्थ फॉर द पीपल हु आर कंटम्पलेटिव type for them it is gnani yoga yoga of knowledge path of knowledge the man of action for them karma yoga yoga of action so swami ji reminds us here that this is the first time bhagwan has revealed his identity as the geeta teacher that he is not now a friend of arjuna and devaki's son but he is speaking as the seer who sees the truth clearly a realized soul who identifies completely with the truth seer can identify with the truth and becomes a conduit for the message so krishna is now speaking as the seer and not as arjuna's friend who was devaki's son so here bhagwan says that right from the beginning there are two paths were created for human beings to achieve their goal of ultimate happiness or oneness with their real self one is the path of knowledge for rational thinkers and the path of selfless actions for the people of action somebody ask einstein do you believe in god and einstein said i believe in spinoza's god now spinoza was a 17th century uh, dutch jewish philosopher who postulated a concept of god as all pervading one single entity the everyone is part of that and that's god so his concept of god was very different from the anthropomorphic provident god of judeo christian religions einstein was not much impressed by the traditional conception of god but he was very much interested in the conception of god that spinoza came up with so the concept of spinoza which is all pervading god one single entity that is existing there nothing else exists other than that everything that exists is nothing but the modes of that god spinoza used the word substance also used the word nature and also used the word god for the same entity now this sounds familiar isn't it vedanta says exactly same thing one single entity which exists called brahman when it identifies with prakriti its own other aspect is prakriti he then becomes many so in his manifestations there is nothing other than the pure existence as that supreme being you can decide yourself whether spinoza was the original thinker in 17th century or vedanta which was probably 3000 bc came up with advaitavad now we have to remember that only vedanta darshan has advaita in vedanta there is dvaitavad and advaitavad so not all indian philosophers thought 
or that only one entity exists. But Vedanta says there is only one single entity exists, everything else is nothing but its own modifications, its own manifestation. This can be realized, Bhagavan says, by the rational thinkers through Gnana Yoga, by logical deduction. If the world is the manifestation by cause and effect relationship, that everything has a cause, there has to be an uncaused cause to have all other causes to exist and create effect. That's a one path to go through the Gnana Marga by logical deduction to come to the conclusion that there cannot be two all-pervading God in this world. The God is all-pervading, who am I and where am I existing? Karma Yogena Yogina. But if that's not my cup of tea, then I have to do selfless activities to get rid of all the other impressions which are distracting me. So as Bhagavan said, Karma Yogena Yogina. So he's the, the word Karma Yoga we hear obviously for the first time and we will define it as we go further in this chapter. We'll stop right here. If you find this podcast helpful, please support it by donating any amount by going to the episode's website at neilbutt.podbean.com or at chinmayarichmond.org. Thank you. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhagbhave Om Shantihi 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om